0: Hey everyone, it is so good to have you with us uh, together as we continue our study on the book of Ephesians. And um, it's a real privilege to jump into this. This whole book has as its theme the church. The Church of Jesus Christ. And I think we live in times in which uh, it's not very difficult to hear questions like, what in the world is the church? Uh, Or maybe even, what difference does it make? Um, Or perhaps, um, how do we even get to living out God's ideal for what the church should be? Maybe you've heard those questions asked. Maybe we've asked them ourselves, to be honest, right? And I believe that God, uh, through the book of Ephesians, is answering those questions and speaking directly to those realities. What is the church? What difference does it make? And how do we get from here to there how do we truly begin to walk out um, God's ideal and God's dreams and God's purposes for us as his church and I want to just thank uh, Dan and Darren for uh, their messages leading up to this one man God through the Holy Spirit and through the Apostle Paul lays that foundation of of what we are as a church and what Jesus has done for us Um, I think I speak on behalf of all of us Darren when I say we're. Sorry that you don't have more French uh, in you and your DNA, though we are thankful for the British and for the Scottish and the little bit of Jewish that you have uh, in you. But most importantly, we're thankful that you're a part of the citizenship of Israel and that we are part of the lineage of Israel, that God has done something that we could have never done for ourselves by making it so. Uh, Pastor Dan, we're thankful for that teaching on the manifold wisdom of God, the multifaceted, multicolored reflection or revelation of who Jesus is that happens only when we come to together, only when we're willing to allow God to bring us together as one, as his church, is Jesus revealed, not just to the world, but actually to the principalities and powers, to angelic forces that are longing to look into this this mystery of what the church is. And so today, we're going to look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And I believe that, man, it's an exciting portion of the book because all of a sudden we see a bit of a turn where, uh, again, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is calling us now to action. The foundation has been laid in chapters 1 through 3, and all of a sudden now it starts getting practical. The rubber starts hitting the road. It starts getting real. And so I'm going to read verse 1 today. And it says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, of course, the Apostle Paul speaking here, writing, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, and again, he was writing this, as Darren reminded us, Dan reminded us, from prison. So this wasn't just platitudes he was speaking. He was physically imprisoned writing this epistle. But he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, I call to you. Some translations say, I beg you. To live a life or walk out a life worthy of the calling you have received. You know, the first thing that I noticed from this portion of scripture is the power that a call can make. The power that a call can make. You know, Cammie and I are both into reality TV. Um, I'm not going to say which of us is more into it, but it's not me. Um, and uh, one of the shows that we found ourselves watching uh, fairly regularly a few years ago was The Biggest Loser. And um, if you know anything about the show, of course, it's it's the idea of they have this ranch set up where uh, folks that have been struggling with their weight and perhaps felt unsuccessful in, in shedding the weight that they wanted to shed, all of a sudden can be a part of this program where there's a ranch, there's chefs, there's nutritionists, there's exercise experts, there's coaches, there's psychologists. I mean, you name it. There's a dream team of people assembled. There's all the resources and workout gyms and trails and everything necessary to truly make what was impossible. Possible. But here's the cool thing. Sometimes you would see on the show the very beginning when they would even find out that they were going to be a part, that their name had been called, that they got that call, like, hey, you've been invited, you're going to be on the show. And all of a sudden, you could see the expectation, you could see the joy, you could see the excitement that they felt. Why? I believe it's because they knew what a difference that call was going to make in their life. They knew that all of a sudden, all of these resources were going to be at their disposal, that they were going to be surrounded by people who were committed to helping them succeed, to helping them achieve what they had only dreamed for on the inside, a, a fitness and a health and, um, and, a, and a level of, of gladness and happiness in their life that up until that point had been impossible. I believe that if we really looked at this, that God would be saying, guys, You've received a call. Even when I invite you, live a life. Start walking into the calling you have received. First of all, we should be filled with joy because our name's been chosen. We're the lucky ones. We all of a sudden have the resources of heaven, the Holy Spirit, the Father's power, everything we need in our lives to help us begin to live out this calling that we've received. Here's the other part of it that's cool is that the actual word church in the new Testament in the Greek comes from the idea of those who have been called out and are assembled together. Those who have literally been called out. That is what the word Ecclesia means. So God is designing and creating this new thing called Ecclesia. And by definition, it begins with those who have been called out of the world and to be a part of this new thing that God is doing. And I'm telling you what, I believe that we can share in that joy and expectation that all of the resources of heaven are ours to help us walk into what God is calling us to walk into. But check this out immediately from exhorting us and from calling us and inviting us to walk into this new thing. All of a sudden look at where it goes in verses two and three. It says this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond Of peace. (laughs) You know, uh, we were, my wife and I were in San Francisco uh, a few days ago, and we found ourselves calling an Uber uh, for a couple of short trips from our kid's place a little bit farther south to the hotel that we were staying at on Union Square. And, um, and as part of that uber app you know uh you get to select you know if you want an uber or an uber black i think is one of the options and that's kind of like a, a luxury vehicle or something like that that picks you up but can you imagine how surprised we would have been or maybe how surprised you would be if you called an uber it began to it picked you up began to take you to your destination and all of a sudden it made a stop and some total stranger came in and sat in the front seat and then got back in you went a few more blocks and all of a sudden it stopped again and another stranger came in. And, excuse me, can you scoot in, please? And all of a sudden, uh, now, we know during COVID that probably wouldn't happen. But let's just say, you know, pre or post-COVID, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, all of a sudden, some other total stranger gets in. And all of a sudden, you're like sharing, and you realize there's been a big surprise. This wasn't an Uber black, or it wasn't even an Uber X. This is an Uber pool. This was where several people share the ride together. Guys, I believe that God actually has a surprise in store for us. A lot of us thought that when we were saved, God was saying, hey, get in this uber black, and it's just going to be you, or maybe you and your spouse, or you and your best friend, and I'm going to give you a ride to heaven. And it's going to be predictable, and you're going to have your privacy, and you're going to have your space, and, and you're going to really, really enjoy this. But I believe God had a secret surprise, in that we're actually sharing a ride together as ecclesia, as the church. And so therefore, he tells us right here, hey, if you're going to make it, if you're going to survive this ride, if you're going to actually come to enjoy this ride, if you're going to actually have this ride accomplishing you what I want it to accomplish in you, one of the first things you need to do is get practical with these things that it tells us right here. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. That word, be completely humble. Pastor Dan and I have been talking about that for a few weeks now. Think about that for a second. Be completely humble. Not just be humble once in a while or when you're feeling up to it or on a good day. Be completely humble. That word actually in the Greek means um, one part at a time. Literally, like if you're disinfecting maybe a puzzle or something, you have to go piece by piece and disinfect it one piece at a time to make sure that the complete thing is covered. That is what that word completely means. One piece at a time. So guess what? It's not just one choice to be like, okay, Lord, here and forevermore, I choose to be humble. Amen. And all of a sudden now, wow, everything else was downhill from there. How many of you guys have discovered in your life that that's not how it works, but that actually every day, uh, perhaps multiple times a day, we have an opportunity to choose to be humble. It's something that even though we've made a one-time choice, like, yes, Jesus, make me humble, make me like you. I believe that the relationships we find ourselves in within our family, within our marriage, with our parents, with our kids, at work, with our friends, as part of Ecclesia, the church, you better believe it, there too. We have multiple opportunities, one conversation at a time, one piece at a time, as Paul says, be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. That word bearing with is kind of like when you glue a little broken tea set together with super glue and you hold it together. And the instructions say hold it for 30 seconds, but you hold it a little bit longer because you really care about it. You're like, ah, oh man, this is my favorite teacup. I'm going to hold it for like a minute because even after I should have been able to let go, I'm still holding it in place. That's what that word, to bear with each other, to hold each other up. It means even after we should have been able to let go, we're still holding one another in place out of love, out of conveying value and honor and patience to each other. So I believe that God is saying, hey, Guess what? Surprise! It's an Uber pool. It's a shared ride together as Ecclesia, as family, as my church. I've called you. We're going somewhere together, but there's a role that each of you play in each other's lives. And it's going to be necessary for us to really learn experientially and by revelation from the Lord what it means to be completely humble, to be patient. And it says, even make every effort. I believe God is saying, Hey, don't be afraid of a little sweat, right? That's one of the first things we learn when we start getting a little bit more serious about fitness. Notice I'm speaking like we, as if I were that person. (laughs) I actually uh, was that person several years back. And I remember, you know, looking at my shirts and I'd be drenched with sweat because I would have gone out for a three mile, four mile, five, six, seven, eight mile run sometimes. And then I just came to get used to that sweat. I was like, all right, let's go to Starbucks. And my wife's like, uh, You, are you going to change? And I'd be like, what? Oh, you mean just a little bit of sweat? Nah, let's just jump in the car. But here's the deal. One of the things that happens when we start getting serious about going where God wants us to go is that we lose our fear of sweat. We lose our fear of some hard work. We lose our fear of discomfort. Or at least if we don't lose it, we're willing to face it and to press through it. And I believe God's calling to us, his invitation is that to live a life worthy of the calling, to press through that discomfort, to learn experientially what it means to be humble and patient with each other because we're sharing the ride together and God is driving. What about this? In verses four through six, it says this, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I'll tell you what, I don't know if you caught this in that passage that I just read, but there's one word. Oops, I gave it away. There is one word that is repeated over and over and you know what it is. What is it? Absolutely. It's the word one, right? We're given a series of things that we share in common. And I'm going to come back to that, but before I talk about that, I want to highlight one of these in particular, and that is in verse 6, where it says, we have one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. You know, there's only two ways that I'm aware of, anyway, to become family as a child, to be... Included into a family as a child. I know later in life we can marry into a family. Uh, but, but as a child, one way is biologically to be born into a family. The other way is to be adopted into a family. And here's something interesting. In both cases, the child uh, at best has very little to say about being a part of that family in comparison with the mom and or the dad right? Um, in the biological sense, mom and dad make a decision to have children. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, a short time later, this child is born into the world and is born into that family. They had no say, right? Mom and dad decided all of a sudden they're part of a family. Perhaps they have one sibling, two siblings. Maybe if they're like my dad, they have eight siblings, but they're a part of a family. What about being adopted? Man, this truth carries even further with this, because all of a sudden you've got a mom and or a dad who are going through an incredible ordeal to bring this child, this young boy or girl, perhaps an infant or later on in their childhood, into this family. You know, I was speaking with uh, Ben Arhouse, one of our uh, precious brothers that's part of this church family, and he was telling me a little bit about the process that they've been uh, undergoing as they have brought, uh, actually are in the process of bringing several children into their family. And he was talking about what it requires to get licensed. There's 40 hours of foster parent training, fingerprints, background checks, a 30-page application, in-person interviews, including kids, and home check for safety and space. After the placement, there are court hearings every three months, family engagement meetings every six months, caseworker and lawyer home visits once per month, two to three times per week visits with biological parents, physical therapy appointments, bi-weekly, speech therapy, bi-weekly, cognitive behavioral therapy appointments, weekly, continuing education, three hours a month, parent-child bonding therapy, bi-weekly. That's not even to mention the house remodels to make more room, new cars to make room for them, keeping them in current schools, more driving, clothes, food, laundry, delays, so forth and so on. Thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm telling you what, it's incredible when you talk to Ben or Alyssa because what you'll hear from them is the joy and the love that they have for these kids. And yet, wow, so much sacrifice so much has been a part of the process of bringing these children into their family. And I believe that God is telling us, and he wants us to understand very clearly here that we are family. We're part of God's ecclesia, part of his call out ones, part of his church. Not because we feel like it, not because we've chosen each other, not because we always like each other, not because we always agree with each other, but because he has made it so. He tells us here, we have one father, we have one father. He has declared that we are brothers and sisters. He has adopted us into his family. He has had us be born of his seed, as the epistles of Peter tell us. So not only do we have his DNA, but we've also been adopted together. And so I believe that God would say to us, quit bickering with each other. Quit trying to say, well, really, are they part of my family? Are really, are, do I, do I, Am I a sibling of that person? The answer is yes. If they have God as their father, if they've placed their faith in Jesus and been born of his DNA, then we are family together. And so it's up to us to figure out how to be family together, how to love each other, how to be patient with one another, how to accept one another. But we are family. Again, we have to decide if it's going to be because we feel like it or if we're going to trust what God says about it. And living by faith means we take what God says and what God has done and make that our foundation. God has called us brothers and sisters. If you look at that passage again, all of those things that it mentioned, God is calling us to say, these are the things that matter most. One body, one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Just as we were called to one hope, the hope of heaven, the hope of seeing Jesus fleshed out in our lives, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All of these things, God is saying there is way more that brings us together than the things that tear us apart. If you're like me, you feel all those things that pull us apart. Man, I'm telling you what, political differences. Pastor Dan mentioned it last week, differences on masks, differences on where we stand with racial tensions in our nation. Differences on how we parent our kids or what we're going to do this next school year, send them homeschool them hybrid differences, differences, differences. What kind of music we like, what, what what kind of teaching we like, man, there's so many things that I think sometimes we realize want to pull us apart. And God is saying, man, there's way more that makes us one. There's way more important things that bring us together as the family of God than the things that are pulling us apart. And maybe, it's time that we come back and realign and say, God, align me. Maybe I've allowed these other things to become more important. My own opinions, as Pastor Dan shared last week, that, that my own opinions sometimes I've exalted above the discernment of, Lord, what, is, what are your thoughts? What are your desires, Father? And I want to be pursuing those things, the things that are on your heart. I believe if we will allow God to realign us and make this hope, this Lord, this one God and Father of all, if we make those the things that matter most, we'll realize that it's not quite as tough to come together and realize that we are one in him. From there, it goes into a passage where it explains that Jesus is the conqueror, that he rose to heaven, he descended to the lower earthly regions, he rose up in power and authority, and he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, all these different voices that speak to us as the body of Christ. Some of them speak to us, mobilizing us to go forth as those who are sent, the apostolic. Some of them speak to a very specific situation with the mind of Christ as the prophetic. Some of them are just bubbling over with the good news. How can we be good news? How can we share good news with those around us and the evangelistic? Some of them are concerned with the the well-being of the flock, or an individual sheep. Man, that's the pastoral. Some of them are just passionate about helping equip and and helping each other understand the truths of God's word or how to apply them in our lives. That's the teacher. But I believe that God's hope, and we'll, we'll get more into this in the weeks ahead on a future series where we're gonna really unpack each of those voices and the role that they play in the body. But I believe that God is saying, man, if we open our hearts within his ecclesia, his church, in this shared ride together, you know, we might sit in a service and go, wow, I, man, that didn't hit me quite the same as last week's or whatever. Maybe you're sitting here going, wow, when's it going to be done already? Good night. I got way more out of Pastor Darren's message two weeks ago. That's okay. That's okay. There's different voices that God has brought together to coach us, to equip. The purpose of those is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to truly help organize the body, align it. It's almost like a chiropractor. If you look at that word in the Greek, it's organizing the pieces and aligning them so that they can truly function at their best, most efficiently, and to truly become a place where God dwells by his spirit. But let me read verses 13 through 16, because this is where I believe that we see God's high hopes for his church and the secret sauce that makes it possible. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Think about that. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. There's plenty of that going on in our world. But verse 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm telling you what, God is saying, I've got high hopes for my church. I've got high expectations. I've got incredible, I guess he has faith. I don't know. He said it, he believes it. So I guess it's faith, but um, incredible desires for his church to mature, to grow up, and in every regard, be the body of Christ in this world. Guys, we're living in a, in a generation, in a time, in a day and age, where the world is dying to see Jesus in flesh and blood. The world is crying out to see the body of Christ rise up and show us what Jesus looks like in this world. It's that manifold wisdom that Pastor Dan spoke of. But we're never going to get there without this secret sauce. And I'm sure you probably noticed it, but I believe that God's secret sauce is one that is essential in every successful marriage, in every successful business, in every successful sports team, with every successful golfer in every successful parent. And that is this. He said these words, instead speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love. I believe that God is saying, you know what church, as you're sharing this ride together, as you're discovering what it means to be my ecclesia, my called out ones, as you're truly learning to live a life worthy of the calling, it's going to require humility. Humility. Pastor Darren mentioned it, the apostle Paul's name. It was Saul, meaning, you know, powerful, majestic. All of a sudden, God said, no, no, no. I want you to see yourself as simple, as, as, as lowly, because you're dependent completely on me. And I believe that God is saying, you know what? If we will enter into that spirit of humility, we will be able to both speak truth in love to each other and we'll be able to receive truth in love. See, the world wants to pull those things apart and say, you know what? You got to choose. Either you're going to be a loving person or you're going to be an angry, judgmental truth person. But that's not what we see in Jesus. In John chapter one, it says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus brand, Jesus identity is that he brings those two things that maybe the world thinks are impossible roommates. He blends them together as one grace or love and truth. Man, if there's something holding me back, God might give you a word. God might give you a strategy or a way to approach me and say, man, I want to encourage you. Don't let this thing hold you down. Man, press into Jesus in this area. Or man, God has a promise in his word for you, DJ, that can really help you break through to the next level in your walk with Jesus, to truly reflect him, to truly grow up, to truly mature in the Lord. Church, I believe that if we're going to truly live out this calling, if we're truly going to be the ecclesia of Jesus that shows him to the world, we're going to have to be okay with giving and receiving the truth in love. i tell you what, NFL sports teams do it. Every sports team, they coach each other. They, they, they call each other out when something isn't its best and when each other can learn a lesson how to be better. And man, I believe that if we ask the Lord, Lord, show us how to do that. Show us how to do that within this church family. Show us not to be afraid of one another, but to be humble with each other, to have such love in our communication with each other, that when someone brings truth, we know it's from a deep desire for our well-being, for us to reflect Jesus better, for us to experience more deeply fellowship with him, communion with him. I'm telling you what, guys, if we're willing to do that, I believe that we will reflect Jesus in this world. We will be in every regard As it says here, uh, we will be in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. It all comes back to the very beginning. He's calling us, he's inviting us, but it's a life of humility. It's a life of being open to one another, making room for each other as the family that we are. And I believe that if we say yes to God, if we make that decision, not just once But every single day, many times over and over again, in every conversation, in every relationship, the Lord is going to change us from the inside out. He's going to transform us as individuals, but also as a body that's going to shine brighter and brighter, reflect him to the world. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, for the calling that you have called us. And Lord, I thank you that as you invite us, as you call us to be a part of this joy ride that is ecclesia, that oftentimes does stretch us beyond ourselves, beyond our own comfort level, but that ultimately transforms us and makes us shine with your glory. God, I pray that, Lord, our hearts would be open to you. I pray that we would trust you. Lord, indeed, when you call us, it carries with it also the idea that when you call us something, when you say you are son or daughter, we become that. When you say you are brothers and sisters, we become that. When you called forth the stars, And the moon and the planets, they became that which you called forth. Lord, our hearts and our spirits are open to you right now. Lord, we hear you calling us forth and we say yes and amen. Our hearts say yes to what you are calling us to and to your creative power by the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us walk this out. Lord, let us see it at work in our lives. Let us be encouraged Let us be attracted to you even more to where that growth will become a cycle every day. We will desire more and more of you, more and more of your maturing, more of your truth in love, more of your presence and your glory in our lives. Lord, bless your people. Let us see this this week and moving forward like never before. Let us reflect you to the world so that all may know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shine Church, thank you so much for being a part of this gathering this weekend. We love you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And we just release you in Jesus' name to be the ecclesia, the called out ones of God. Go in his name.